most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? Wouldn't you agree? I got five dollars. This is a run to the left. How many tackles can one man break? You're saying that humans need fantasy to make life bearable. Humans need fantasy to be human. My goodness, that was good. You guys are pros. The bats, relentless, refusing to give up. All right, hit that horn, babe. Let's dance. Hello and welcome to the Fantasy Flex podcast presented by Prize Picks. I'm your host, Samantha Perfidi. On today's very special episode of 21 Questions, I am so happy to be joined by a man who needs no introduction, but I will do my best. The GOAT, the godfather of fantasy football, Matthew Berry, who you can find all over ESPN on Fantasy Football Now, the Fantasy Focus Football Podcast, the Fantasy Show, Sports Center, and on the Fantasy Life app, and on Twitter at Matthew Berry TMR. Welcome to the Fantasy Flex, Matthew. How are you doing? Samantha, it's good to be here. Happy to be here. Uh, you said it's a very special episode of 21 Questions. Are, are, are you and I going to go through a journey and then at the very end learn of an important life lesson? You know, like I, those, those after-school specials that are as a very or a very special episode of a TV show where the, char- <laughs> the main character, it's usually goofiness, but something, you know, something bad happens to the character and they learn a lesson like, you know, don't get into vans with strangers, that kind of thing. I can only hope for that, that yeah. kind of emotional journey for us that we have an epiphany, we laugh, we cry, all of it. So all right. thank you. Thank Perfect. you so much again. It's It's been so great to, you know, interact with you on social media and even meet you in person. So this is going to be a lot of fun. So let us just jump into the first question. You have been playing fantasy since you were 14 years old. So yeah. what do you remember the most about your first league? Yeah, I'm old. Yeah, I know. That's a, that's a loaded <laughs> way of saying you're you're being very nice. Field Yates would would just say like, "Hey, you played back, you know, when when you had to keep score on caves, uh, on cave walls." No, so I have been playing uh, since I was 14 years old. I was 14 years old, by the way, in 1984. So you guys can do the own do your own math there. Uh, and what I remember about my very first fantasy league is it was a auction draft. It was uh, we played by the book, which is to say the Rotisserie League baseball book, the 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 book that came out in 1983 by the founding fathers, by Daniel Okren and Glenn Wagoner. And um, and so it was a 10 team NL only uh, auction style draft. Uh, I paid thirty seven dollars for Tony Gwynn, who had an awesome year that year. But that was a little bit too much. I was stars and scrubs even back then. And uh, I paid twenty two dollars for Mario Soto, who was OK that year. So those that's what I remember about those uh, that my first fantasy football league was uh, I'm sorry, my first fantasy league was my first two picks ever. And the fact that and I've written about this, I've written about that league extensively, the fat dog league. I've written about it in my book and, and everything like that. But in essence, I was a 14 year old kid and the rest of the league were a bunch of mid 20 to 40 year old guys. And they just needed something like, it was this weird game. Like it was back then, this is how old I am. Back then there was no such thing as personal computers. The internet hadn't been invented at well. So this was all done like pen and paper, uh, you know, and you had to keep score by hand. So, uh, and fantasy sports, again, the book just came out in the winter of 83. So the spring of 84 was the first time fantasy baseball had really been done publicly. Uh, I've since met Dan Okrent, who tells me we were one of the first 50 late baseball leagues in the history of the world. And um, uh, anyway, so that's the other thing I remember is just, it was weird being a 14 year old kid you know, in a league with a bunch of adults, but they just, they needed somebody. And 
uh, one of the guys in the league was my tennis coach and he knew that I was a sports nerd. And so that's how I got it. That is a really cool story. I think a lot of us, including myself, forget that you were at least at first a fantasy baseball person and you've done fantasy basketball and everything like that because we all know you as the GOAT of fantasy football. But uh, you've played fantasy with a lot of really cool people over this very long period of time. Are there any celebrities or athletes that you haven't had a chance to play with yet, but would love to? Um, Sure. So I'm going to divide that into two questions. Number one is just celebrities I would like to meet. Cause it's obviously it's an easy, it's the, the only way I get to meet celebrities is through fantasy football. Cause it's, it's not like that. They're like, you know, Oh, uh, you know, who would be great at the Met Gala? Matthew Barry. Like that doesn't happen. It's like, you know, who'd be great. At our fantasy draft is Matthew Barry. Like that's how, that's how I weasel my way into a lot of celebrity situations is, uh, is obviously through fantasy football. So, you know, a celebrity that I, I've never met that I would like to meet big Springsteen fan, never met him. I think, uh, I think George Clooney would be cool, uh, to meet. He strikes me as a very cool guy. Bradley Cooper strikes me as a very cool guy when I've heard him interviewed uh, quite a bit. I think that would be a lot of fun. Uh, so those are people that I've never met, that I so I wouldn't mind playing fantasy football with them. People that I know that play fantasy football that I've never, or that I've met, but I don't really know. Like I've met LeBron once, but I met him once for like 30 seconds. But LeBron plays in a fantasy league. I know for a fact that he plays in a fantasy league. Like I think that would be very cool. Um, like I've met the rock before, but, uh, but he doesn't play fantasy, but that would be cool to be in a league with a rock, I suppose. Um, uh, so those are off the top of my head, you know, some of, um, uh, let's see, I've never met Scarlett Johansson. Uh, I'm, I know a lot of us, obviously of the people in the MCU, but I don't know her. Uh, so whenever I've ever heard her interviewed, she seems really cool as well. So there's some, there's some people off the top of my head. Something tells me that LeBron would be honored to play in an 06010 league. And uh, I will have to call up Anna Wintour and get her, get you an invite to the Met Gala. <laughs> well, could you? That would be great. I would appreciate that. That would be, uh, that would be awesome. I have to figure out what to wear. Um, <laughs> I've never met Tom Brady either. That would, that would be cool. I think just to meet Brady. Um, I'm, uh, I'm very well aware of LeBron's league. I may or may not be secretly helping somebody in LeBron's league. I cannot, cannot confirm or deny that rumor, but. I know for a fact LeBron plays. That's what all I will say. I know for a stone cold fact that LeBron James plays in a, a very competitive fantasy football league. That is a very cool intel. All right. Uh, name one player you just can't quit or you always find yourself making excuses for. So like Austin Eckler is my fantasy ride or die. So I obviously can't quit him, but I don't need to make excuses for him because he's been absolutely crushing. That That's a call that's worked out this year. Um, I made a lot of excuses for Jalen Hurts in the preseason because people were like, ah, completion percentage is awful and, you know, and he can't throw and blah, blah. And we're just like, listen, as we saw last night with Taysom Hill, you don't have to be able to throw to be a good fantasy quarterback. By the way, one of the points I made in the preseason was if you looked at Jalen Hurts's uh, average depth of target as a dot, right? It was just, it was much, much larger than, he was throwing deep. He was throwing the ball fairly deep downfield a lot, which is obviously always going to hurt completion percentage. He's not a dink and dunk guy, or certainly wasn't last year in the first four games. Um, but uh, you know, Field Yates will give me uh, grief on the on the podcast that we do together, the Fantasy Focus podcast, because I've been I've been an Antonio Gibson defender this entire year. Field used his first round pick in our war room league on Gibson, and he's just been bemoaning it all year long. Uh, but obviously, off of a big game Monday night, I had less excuses to make for him. It's finally healthy again. But uh, for a while there, I, I, I have been 
I did stick to my guns all year long on Antonio Gibson, even though it looked pretty bad there for a while. I totally get that. I am also a Jalen Hurts apologist as well. So yes, uh, sometimes watching those games is a little painful, but he gets the job done a lot. Uh, Are you bull or bear on the zero RB strategy? Yeah, I'm neither, to be candid. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a zealot and on either side of that argument. Uh, I am a big proponent of insurance running backs of upside running backs, middle, uh, you know, every year I write my draft day manifesto and I always talk about, I don't call it zero RB, but for years I've talked about that theory that running backs come into the league more often than any other position because, uh, because of the injury prone nature of that position. And I always talk about the fact that fantasy football is a weekly game that it's often, especially in the preseason, always talked about as a yearly game. And the, the stats that people quote are always like he was running back 16 or he had 1200 yards or whatever. They're always cumulative stats. But the truth is, is that it's actually a weekly game played over the course of a year. But that's an important distinction. So just for example, like just that it's happened within the last hour. OK, doesn't look like Melvin Gordon's going to play. Doesn't look like J.D. McKissick's going to play. Does that mean all of a sudden Mike Boone has more value this week filling in for Melvin Gordon? Does Devontae Williams get all the all the run there? Still sorting that out. But we expect Wendell Smallwood and Curtis Samuel to get, you know, to get a little bit more run. There are players. Here's a good example. Devontae Booker. Devontae Booker has no value this week, but he was a top 15 running back for the month or so that Saquon Barkley was out. And every year there are always guys like that, that you don't necessarily need to start every week. But there will be periods of time where you start those running backs. Right. And here, I'll back up one second. The. The idea is not just about having high upside players, but it's about knowing when to start those players, right? Because whatever, Deontay Harris had a big night Thursday night, but like who knew to start Deontay Harris? Taysom Hill, his first start, you know, they've been spreading the ball around in that passing offense. Dallas's defense has been pretty good. And Deontay Harris had been fairly inconsistent so far this year as a receiver. He basically had one big play in junk time. But this week, we know to start Alexander Madison. Because the two weeks in Dalvin Cook's been out, he's averaged 24.7 fantasy points. He's been a top seven fantasy running back each of those two weeks. This week, we know to start Jamal Williams because DeAndre Swift is out. And so that's, I think, a part of zero RB, right, is piecing it together. But So I don't want to sit here and say, like, I always believe in that or that I don't believe in it because I'm always a believer in best player available. And if you're draft blind, like, so I'm a believer in, like, not reaching for a running back if that's not the best value just letting the draft come to you. So I'm sort of talking out about both sides of my mouth here, but I'm just like, I just think people that go into a draft saying like, I'm not drafting a running back till round five, you know, zero RB is the way to go. Or people that are, I'm going with hero RB or anchor RB, which is I'm going to draft one in the first round and then ignore it for a while and, and try to grab a bunch of these Alexander Madison, Jamal Williams, you know, high upside backup types, Tony Pollard, another example. Um, I'm not that guy, but I'm also not the guy that's like, got to take a running back and run. Let the draft come to you. So uh, that's where I am there. But I do think it's important to know that when you're drafting your team, this is a draft question. When you're drafting your team, I think it's important to know that you are constructing a roster that doesn't have to start for you every single week. You're trying to give yourself multiple options. So that's where I would much rather in the mid to late rounds, I'd much rather a guy like Madison, a guy like Jamal Williams, that will know when to start that player. 
and that there is tremendous upside that they could win you a week as opposed to Naheem Hines, who's eight to 12 points every week, whatever. But Naheem Hines is never going to win you a week. Or if he does win you a week, you'll never know when that week's coming. Right. He just gets two fluky touchdowns. Absolutely. Yeah. I think to your point about being flexible and being agile in the draft and sort of being open-minded about what you want to do in terms of strategy is more important than being rigid to one specific strategy. Uh, if you could change one setting in every league right now, what would it be? No kickers. No kickers. I love that. Perplex is so much, it's so much fun, but especially no kickers. I prefer, I prefer not to play defense either, especially because in one of my most important leagues, I played against the Dallas defense last night and you're like, and last week in that same league, I played against the Bengals defense. You're like, so, um, but yeah, I just, I just think there's so much variance in fantasy football and that there is, there's even more variance with kickers and defenses. Um, you know, my, uh, my friend, uh, my friend, Linda at Lindellians on Twitter does kicker rankings and she's very good. She contributes to the, the, uh, the Matthew Berry fantasy life newsletter, um, uh, which we're really proud of and she does great work, but yes, if you're asking me. So because leagues do play with kickers, we're thrilled to have Linda and her contributions. But if it were up to me, I would ban kickers and defense and I would just go super flex. I love that. I do think it is a lot of randomness. Speaking of randomness, it is kind of introduced into fantasy football. Which NFL coach is most infuriating for fantasy? Belichick. I think it's Belichick is, is, um, you know, there's obviously a lot of uh, options. Cliff Kingsbury being one of them. Any coach that's sort of dishonest with the media uh, is up there. Coaches that, you know, um, like Mike McCarthy um, back when he, like free Aaron Jones. But for me, I think it's Belichick just because it's sort of hard to argue with it because he's so successful, but it does drive us crazy. The multiple use running backs, the fact that his defense is always so good. So whenever you're, you, you know, I got Kyle Pitts, oh, they're facing New England. If one of my best players is playing against him, He's likely going to get shut down. And then I never know which running back to start and they spread the ball around on offense. So yes, I think it's Belichick. I think that is the very obvious answer for sure. I have an anti-Patriots bias to start with and it kind of works out for fantasy football. So uh, speaking of infuriating things, what made you angrier? Alfred Morris not getting a single point back in October of 2018 or Cardinals Twitter trolling fantasy managers over Chase Edmonds scoring three touchdowns in October of 2019? Uh, it's a great question. Both made me very angry. Both, um, both Epic rants, by the way. Super, rants. super fun. Thanks. Both those rants did like over a million views um, on social media. Uh, so people seem to, uh, they like it or they, you know, they love to hate it. Or they're like, look at this crazy guy. Uh, it's a great question. Which one made me angrier? I'm going to say Alfred Morris just because it was personal in the sense that, so I was actually in Scott Fishbowl. It was my first year ever playing Scott Fishbowl. And, and I had just had Tremendous, tremendous bad luck. And so that was the year. And for people that aren't, aren't aware, Scott Fishbowl was like this. It's now up to 2000, but I think at that particular year, it was like 1200 people. So it's a massive tournament across the fantasy industry. It's a great event that raises money and awareness for charity. Scott does a great job with it every year, but there's a couple of challenges with it. Number one is the draft is done basically in the middle of July, really before training camp is open, before really there's a lot of news. And the second thing is, is that it's very public. So that everyone can see your team, everyone can see your roster. It's all out in the open. And there's been a lot of great things uh, about sort of, you know, my career and the platform that ESPN has provided me. 
but if there's a negative, it's that, you know, people have a, a keen interest in everything that I do. I, I feel like I'm on under a microscope at all times. Like, I would, well, I mean, just, I mean, like, I mean, like, I don't want to, I'm not trying to brag here, but like, whatever, that's the reality. It, it really is that people pay attention to me in a way that they don't pay attention to other analysts in the industry. Literally last year, some guy that's not, that wasn't in my fishbowl league, like, but has like, I don't know, 20,000 followers on Twitter, something like that, 15,000 followers on Twitter. So he's a fantasy analyst of, of some renown. And uh, he was tweeting out like, oh, Matthew Berry took an hour and a half in, uh, to draft his Scott Fishbowl. I'm like, yeah, like I'm on TV. You know what I mean? Like, hell you want from me, dude? Like, you know what I mean? Like, we have an eight hour time limit. It's a slow draft for people. But um, uh, and so I'm just like somebody that's not in my league was like going in to see the time of how long I took to draft, you know, and so it's just anyway. People get all up in my business. So anyway, as a result, so I'm in Scott Fishbowl for the first time. And so people are interested in that. I drafted Le'Veon Bell number one in that, that year. That was the year that Le'Veon Bell sat out the entire year. And my league was so slow. To this day, it's the second slowest draft in Scott Fishbowl history. Scott told me this. My league took so long to draft that, and I had planned on drafting James Conner as a backup. I'd looked at the Scott Fishbowl ADP and he was going like in the 20th round, James Conner was, because everyone expected Laban Bell to have this huge workload. And I'm like, you know what? I'll just grab him like in the 18th round. I'll just, I'm, I'm literally going to, you know, two rounds ahead of where he goes just to make sure I get him. Okay. But then our, our league is taking so long. And then Schefter finally tweets out this is like two weeks after the draft has started, but we're still drafting. One of the, one of the last leagues to finish drafting, Schefter tweets out there's a chance he might hold out. And so, of course, the next guy that's drafting, we're in the 14th round, grabs James Conner who ends up having a huge year there. So, okay. So now I'm struggling along. I did grab Christian McCaffrey in the second round, even though everyone said that was too high. He obviously had a huge year that year. Um, so I'm actually competing. I have a good team, but I keep losing every week. So I was like third in the league in points or something like that. But like I had lost five in a row. Like every week I had lost like by a couple of points. And everyone's like paying attention. Oh, how's Barry doing in fishbowl and blah, blah, blah. Okay, fine. So I'm really frustrated because I have this good team, but we're getting outscored. And if we just had Le'Veon Bell or James Conner, because if we just drafted normally, I would have had James Conner. So I'm all bitter up to begin with. And then I'm going into a Monday night game. Alfred Morris is starting running back of the San Francisco 49ers. I'm down by 0.7 points. So I literally need one point from Alfred Morris. The guy I'm playing is done. I have Alfred Morris. He's starting again. Fishbowl is very deep. Fishbowl Morris was the starting running back of the 49ers that year. Um, and he had gotten like something like 15 touches the week before all their red zone work. They're playing the Packers on my night. I'm like he should be able to get one point and he doesn't get one point, Samantha. He doesn't get one point. He, he doesn't even get that many snaps. All of a sudden it becomes a, out of the blue. It becomes a Raheem Mostert game. Um, Raheem Mostert who ha well, hadn't been a thing yet. He'd been in special teams, but Alfred Morris gets one snap. He gets the carry. He actually gets a first down and Scott Fishbowl scoring that year fit. you got a point for first down. So, okay, great. Boom. I win one snap, one point holding They're freaking holding on this damn thing. And, and so now the point comes off. Alfred Morris has never seen again. I lose this match by 0.7. All I did was one point, one stupid point. And so it was, as you can tell me like whatever, five years later, I'm still upset about this thing. It was incredibly frustrating. So as mad as I was at the, at the Cardinals Twitter handle and 
Cliff Kingsbury, I would say Alfred Morris made me the angriest uh, uh, Samantha because it was personal. It was like, it, it was ingrained to me and it was, it remains one of the most frustrating losses I've had in a 30 year career of playing fantasy sports. Watching really? that game, eating away because of where I was, and because of all the, the attention that was on that league. And you're just like, I need one, you know, all I needed was one stupid point from a starting running back. And I didn't get it. I didn't get it. Very, very tough. I think that's why people love these rants and gave you these millions of views because it's so relatable, especially like when you are the king. People want to know that you are still super connected and care about fantasy as much as you still do. So that is I, I, a, a terrible story, but also a very funny story. Well, no, thank you. And I appreciate that. And I will say, like, I know this isn't one of your questions, but I think this is maybe potentially helpful or interesting to people, which is that, like, yeah, like, I think my appeal at least one of my appeals is that I think like I'm a fantasy player first. Like I'm like, I'm not, I'm not Nate Silver. I'm not some brilliant analytical mind that just sort of, you know, decided to come down from the mountain mountaintops and, and, and do everything. Like I've always thought about this. Like remember Huey Lewis in the news, you're much younger than I, but you, have you ever heard of the group Huey Lewis in the news? I'm sorry. So I upsetting. don't. No, I know you're quite, I'm an old, you're a young, but anyway, Huey Lewis in the news was a, was a very popular band in the eighties and nineties and had a number of hits. And um, anyway, I want a new drug, harder rock and roll, power love. Any of these names ring a bell? No. Sorry. I really don't know pop culture very well. All right. That may be it. What about your producer? Does your producer know this? Huey Lewis in the news. Definitely know them. All right. You've heard, you've heard of that group. Yes. All right. Thank you, Dan. All right. I got you. All right. So anyway, (laughs) we take you Dan. All right. Good. Anyway, whatever. All right. So Samantha just made me a thousand, made me feel a thousand years old, but all right. So sorry. That's okay. Anyway, the point is, is that this would be a better story if you knew who they were. But in essence, I remember reading an article, an interview with some news, and they basically said, like, we think our appeal, like, we're like, you know, it was there are musicians that are better than us. There are songwriters that are better than us. But we think our appeal, our appeal is we're like a bar band that made it. We're like a good time, hard rocking, work our ass off kind of bar band that just happened to make it. And they had, you know, they had a, they've sold a million out. I mean, they millions and millions of albums. They're, they're well known to a super, uh, a, a group of people in a certain age range. And so I always sort of feel like that's kind of my appeal on some level is that I'm a fantasy player who made it, right? Like I, I try not to talk down to my audience. I try to talk with my audience that I'm just, I'm one of you. I, you are one of, we are all in this together kind of thing. We all, we've all had that, those moments. And so Yes, that was a lot of the feedback I got on the Alfred Morris rant, which was completely spontaneous. It just sort of poured out of me. It was just like, we've all, we've all been there. So um, anyway, I, but I always try to like, sort of like, I always just feel like I'm, I'm a fantasy player who made it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just a, like all of us. So. Well, I do. We all love that raw emotion that you have. Uh, looking forward to the fantasy playoffs. Could you name a player or two that's lesser known that you could see breaking out during the playoffs? I mean, Javante Williams is the obvious answer, but I feel like he's not lesser known. He's not. Um, uh, so he's not really that lesser known. Um, uh, all right. I'll give you a couple of ideas here. Um I do think DeAndre Carter of my Washington Bowl team is sort of interesting. They're using him a lot. Be interesting to see what happens now that Curtis Samuel gets up to speed. But I know they like DeAndre Carter a lot. And so he's sort of doing the role that I think we expected Diami Brown to have in the preseason. Washington sort of has a winnable schedule down the stretch. 
you know, they're going to play Philadelphia twice, they're going to play Dallas twice, which are, again, are good secondaries. But the expectation there is that they're going to focus on Logan Thomas and Terry McLaurin, of course. So DeAndre Carter is, uh, is, is kind of interesting to me. I was impressed with Dontrell Hilliard and Deontay Foreman for the Titans. They're obviously on a bye this week, but I think you will see both those guys. Foreman played no more snaps. Hilliard had the one big play, but they like Hilliard a lot. So uh, those are those are two guys that are that I think are lesser known that'll be uh, uh, interesting as we move forward in the playoffs. And also, one last one, I'll just try to give you. How about Gabriel Davis? Manuel Sanders, you know, older player, his production has slowed down. They go four wide a lot in Buffalo. Don't love the matchup, obviously, this weekend against the Patriots. But after that, I've always liked Gabe Davis as a player, just as a prospect. And so maybe he has some production. But it's hard to say that here's a guy that's going to make noise in the playoffs that is lesser known. Because if they're lesser known, it's because they're not getting a lot of run. Right? And so, um, you know, I mean, like, Right. If Dalvin Cook's out for the playoffs, Alexander Madison is going to make a huge difference. But I mean, do we qualify him as lesser known? I don't know. I, like, here's one. Um, it's because I feel like anyone that's listening to Samantha Praviti's Action Network podcast isn't like, wait, Alexander Madison, who's that? Like, I feel like it's, you know, this is probably a deep dive audience. You know, this is obviously a, probably a fairly smart and um, a well informed audience. So it's hard to come up with a name of somebody that, uh, would be lesser known to that audience. I'll give you one other one that I think is interesting. Uh, Byron Pringle. I mentioned this on my podcast today. If you look at the last couple of games, Byron Pringle playing a lot more snaps, running a lot more routes than any non-Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey pass catcher in the Chiefs offense. It hasn't translated yet into big production. He does have double fantasy points in two of the last four. But Byron Pringle is somebody that I think coming out of the bye is kind of an interesting name for deeper leagues. Thank you so much for those. Uh, you did mention someone from your Washington football team. So I want to ask you, predict when you think the Washington football team will win their next Super Bowl. Hopefully before I die. How about that? Uh, I don't know. Um, I think we're headed in the right direction. I think there's still some flaws with the franchise. I certainly don't think it's going to be this year. Uh, but I'm, I'm impressed with what Coach Rivera has put together. We need a quarterback. Honestly, it's like, tell me what I'm like. Jury's still out on Heineke, and I like Heineke, but my guess is Heineke's probably like a really good backup, you know, like, um, and, and I don't say this in any disrespect, but, you know, like a Case Keenum. Case Keenum's a really good backup quarterback. Cole McCoy's like a really good backup quarterback and come in and run the offense and do a good job. I, I'm hoping, listen, he hasn't gotten a lot of reps, so I would love it if Heineke became the guy. I'm not sure he is yet. I don't think Washington's sure he is yet, but um, so. That's the thing. I, mean, I, I do think Washington will be in the mix for Russell Wilson this offseason. I will say that. I do think they will be in the mix. I don't think Russell Wilson plays for Seattle next year. And I do think Washington is one of the teams that will be in the mix. A lot of teams need quarterbacks, and this is such a lean class. So it's going to be interesting how free agency sort of shakes out. Hail to the football team. Because, just- hail to the football team, especially because, like, by the way, Russell Wilson is going to change teams. Sean Watson is going to change teams. One other guy that who am I blanking on? There's one other guy that uh, there's a chance that Tua changes teams here, chance that Derek Carr changes teams. Um, so it'll be really interesting, really interesting to say chance. You know, depending on how Sam's how the season goes for the Niners and how they feel about Trey Lance, chance Garoppolo changes teams. So 
anyway, it'd be an interesting offseason in the quarterback market. Of course. Uh, so hail to the football team does not seem right to me. It just doesn't feel right. So what would you rename the football team to? I actually like that. It's grown on me. Uh, I like, I like the football team. I also, I've also said this as sort of like Washington FC football club, right? Like uh, kind of a nod to our, uh, to our brethren overseas. Um, so it's sort of like Washington FC. I don't think this will be one of them, but I kind of like, uh, I know it's been pitched out there as like either the Washington hogs or the red hogs or something like that, which I sort of, I like that because that sort of, that's something that is uniquely Washington, uh, meaning the, that franchise and speaks to our history. Like some of the ones that have come up, like the Warriors or the Red Tails or the Red Wolves, you're sort of like, it's just kind of a name picked out of a hat that doesn't have anything to do with the team and part of the history. So, so if I guess if, if they weren't going to go with football team or Washington FC, which I sort of like, I just like the classic nature of that. I'm, it's grown on me. Uh, I would go with, uh, I, I preferably would like hogs or red hogs or something like that to harken back to, uh, the days of your, the glory days, the Gibbs days. Awesome. Uh, we probably won't see another Cordero Patterson type breakout next year, but give us one name that you think of a player who could have a really big breakout season next year. Yeah, I should just go back to see who else I promoted like eight years ago because I was all in on Cordero <laughs> Patterson, but it was like eight years ago, Samantha. And then, you know, like I was just eight years too early. Uh, so here's my question. Let me ask you back the question. When you say a Cordero Patterson like breakout, are you saying that somebody that just sort of comes out of nowhere to have a monster season, or are you saying kind of an older player that was forgotten that finds himself in a new role on a new team? Because that's the thing. That's the, what's so shocking about Patterson is he's thirty years old. You know, it's his eighth NFL season. It's like his fourth or fifth NFL team, and so all of a sudden, like out of the blue, the guy's a top ten fantasy running back after spending most of his career as a wide receiver. So. You know, it's it's just it's a weird story all the way around. Yeah, I would say more of the former, just someone that kind of comes out of nowhere, doesn't have to be a specific situation change like that. Listen, I, you know, we've only seen flashes, but Kadarius Tony is really interesting. Uh, right. I think that's a really talented player. We just had the Thursday night game, so it's in my mind. But we talked about this podcast. Michael Gallup's a free agent after this year. And given how much money the Cowboys have and and Zeke and, and Dak, and, you know, they're going to want to resign CeeDee Lamb at some point soon. And like, they've got Michael Gallup's likely moving on. You never know, but there's a chance that Michael Gallup plays, especially because they've gotten some nice production out of Cedric Wilson and Noah Brown. Like they have some depth behind Gallup. Gallup's really, really talented. So that's a guy that's going to go from like a wide receiver four to potentially a top 15 guy next year. So I think Michael Gallup is, uh, is really interesting as well. And I'll give you one that I just, to give you a Cordero Patterson, sort of a guy that is, uh, you know, an older player, if you will, I sort of think David Johnson in the right situation, if they use him as a pass catcher more than like as a between the tackles guy, if it was a better offense with a good quarterback and a coordinator that knew how to use him, I could see David Johnson having, uh, you know, one more run at fantasy glory. Love to see it. Um, which NFL combine event would you excel at? And do you think you could beat Darren Rovell in the 40 yard dash? Um, that's a good question. I've met Darren. I'm taller than him, but I think we're about the same weight. Uh, I might have a few pounds on him. I don't know how fast he is. I don't think he's a particularly good athlete from the videos I've seen. Um, 
I was a good athlete, but I'm also old. And I'm, old, I'm probably about 10 years older than Darren. I don't know how old Darren is. My guess is Darren's like in his mid-40s. So I'm like, whatever. I'm like five years older than him. Um, could I beat him in a 40-yard dash? Sure, I'll say that I can. I don't know that I can, but sure, I'll say that I can. I would want in which, you know, in which event would you be best at? Broad jump, the three cone drill, shuttle, bench press, anything like that? I mean, is, is there a, is there a beer chugging part of the combine? <laughs> like, is there like the you know getting drunk at St. Elmo's at three a.m. that event at the combine? Like, I'm pretty good at that. That's the one I would say. I would say that one. I would say getting drunk with the NFL personnel at St. Elmo's uh, or uh, or uh, or prime. You know, like two three in the morning during combine week. That's that's the that's the one I excel at the most. Uh, let's see of the of the actual combine ones. I guess the the jump. I don't know that I would sell at it. I'm just saying I would be better at the jump than all the other stuff that I would suck less at that than I would suck at all the other stuff. How about that? That is the key. Just sucking yeah. less at certain sucking things. Less. Up <laughs> well, for, I, uh, we used to we made this joke on the podcast where we're like, you know how like Notre Dame has the you know play like a champion today for a, for like a year and a half. Uh, when we were in our old studio, because uh, I joked about that we needed this, and then somebody actually sent in a sign, so we did it. We had a sign uh, above the studio that we all, that me and uh, that me and Field and actually Nate, who was back, it was back in the Nate days, we would touch the sign on our way in that just said, "Don't suck today." <laughs> so it's not play like a champion today, but just don't suck today. So yeah, suck less, don't suck today. All those uh, all those words of encouragement. On the topic of athletic abilities, how many attempts would it take you to make an extra point? I'm actually not a bad kicker. We've done this before. Uh, the Fantasy Bubble Marathon, we actually set up, we actually set up uh, goalposts. And I had a kicking con- co- uh, competition with Tim Hasselbeck, who was a former NFL player. And I beat him. And I made it, I made it sooner wow. than he did. So um, how many attempts? I'm going to say I would set the line at 10 and I would take the under. How about okay. that? I think I could do it in less than 10. That is very impressive. They are, say they are making a movie about the talented Mr. Roto. Which actor would you want to portray you and who makes a surprise cameo in this movie? Uh, uh, let's see, who plays me? I mean, you know, probably Ryan Reynolds or The Rock, I feel like. Um, uh, no, who plays me? I mean, you know, the Clooney's like the obvious answer. You'd love Clooney to play you. Right. Um, uh, but I think actually to give you a genuine answer to give you not, not a, you know, not a jokey answer in terms of, uh, you know, some really good looking leading man. Uh, I actually think Woody Harrelson, we have, we are both, uh, follically challenged. I think Woody Harrelson's like a really good actor. I think he's, I think he's, uh, I think he's very funny, but I also think he can, um, uh, play, play dramatic. Um, and so I think if you were to actually decide to do the story of my life, which no one would ever do, but if you ever decide to do the story of my life, I think he would be able to hit, there's, there's some comedy and there's also some tragedy in my life. And, uh, so yeah, I'd, I'd say Woody Harrelson would actually be a good choice in terms of an actual movie star that sort of looks like me, uh, the movie star version of me, uh, could be. So yeah, I'll say Woody Harrelson. Who would you cast for me? Oh, of course, George Clooney. That's just the obvious answer. Uh, If you, Field Yates, Adam Schefter, Mike Clay, and Stefania Bell were all dropped into a Hunger Games-esque simulation, who would be the victor? Me. I would be the victor. Um, Schefter and Field are both more athletic than I am. Fine. Stefania and Mike are both smarter than I am. But all four of them are very ethical people. And 
not, not they are all incredibly above board ethical people. Listen, I like to think I am, but when death is on the line, I'm not playing that way. So if you ask me, like, I feel like I have that killer instinct that they wouldn't have. So um, uh, I feel like I would be more, uh, more conniving than they. I would pit them against each other. Stefania, as people get injured and, you know, Stefania would be busy trying to, like, you know, heal them with berries, you know, and like, you know, whatever, you know, cover their wounds with blades of grass. And then I would come up behind her and, you know, boom, all right, there, Stefania's done. You know, Mike would just be like buried in his, um, uh, you know, buried like in his notebook, like trying to calculate the stats and and the angle of the attitude and like uh, altitude of like where to shoot his bow and arrow or something like that. He'd, he'd be crunching all sorts of numbers and I'd just come up to buy him and you know, smack him and boom, okay, so that's done. Uh, field, field would probably be distracted because it'd be like, oh man, the leaves just changed and they suddenly don't match my, you know, my jacket, you know? And so now feels like worried about what he's going to look like. So he's worried about, you know, the fashion and he's probably like, he's probably wearing clothes that look good, but aren't functional for a wooded environment. So boom, then he's done. And then Schefter's the easiest because Schefter just be looking down at his phone the whole time, you know, tweeting and you're just like, all right, boom, I'm going to come behind you and boom, boom, boom. All right, done. So I think it's me when you sort of think about, you know, how that all plays out. Uh, I think a better question is uh, uh, who finishes second. And I'm going to say, I'll, I'll say Mike Clay finishes second. Fair enough. I would kill Mike Clay last. Was Joe Flacco okay. ever elite? Yes or no? No. Didn't Not even elite? for a brief period of time? Elite at what? Or just, just was he elite? Was no. he elite? Was he elite? I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. Joe Flacco was not elite. I would say Joe Flacco had a really good month at the office. Sometimes you have a good day at the office. He had a really good month at the office. But I'm going to say, was he elite? No, he was not elite. Okay. Definitely not elite. <laughs> Who is on your all-time fantasy Mount Rushmore? Who's on my all-time fantasy Rushmore? Uh, Mount Rushmore. Yeah, as a player, you mean? Yeah, for like players. NFL player? Yeah. Um... Okay, uh, as an NFL player, uh, Ladanian Tomlinson is an obvious one. Uh, Got to put uh, Randy Moss up there. Um, let me think. Uh, I would put Peyton Manning up there, and uh, I'll put Gronk. I mean, you know, uh, Gronk. You know, when Gronk was rolling, Gronk was Gronk was elite. So there you go. That that would be my fantasy rush about Rushmore. And you make arguments for you could make arguments for Breeze or Brady at quarterback. You could. Um, uh, you could make arguments for, I don't think you make an argument for another running back other than, uh, Tomlinson there, but, um, Jerry Rice would be in the, on the list, obviously for wide receiver, Antonio Gates, Tony Gonzalez, a tight end, Jimmy Graham, Jimmy Graham. Ooh, Jimmy Graham might be tough to leave off. I'm going to, I'm going to go with Bronx. He's going to be more fun at the party. What was your biggest swing and a miss this season? Oh gosh. Should have quit while I was ahead. Mine are so long. So really it's like, we all get them wrong. And yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I have to, <laughs> let me, um, what's a, I'm trying to think like who was on a preseason hate list that I got, uh, that I got wrong. Um, I was lower than I should have been on Jonathan Taylor just because I was nervous about no Quentin Nelson, no, uh, Carson Wentz, you know, so Jonathan Taylor, I think would probably be, you know I mean? Cause I had him ranked as a low end RB one. I think I had him ranked in the 
10 to 12 range. And, you know, so, I mean, he's been just so, uh, so incredibly dominant um, there. So that would be a pretty big one. Oh, and Russell Wilson. I was all in on Russell Wilson. I had, I loved Russell Wilson coming into this year. I thought Shane Waldron was going to bring it as really up-tempo offense and it looked good early on, but uh, obviously it's been brutal. Uh, you know, definitely, so, definitely yeah. been brutal. Uh, on the topic of Jonathan Taylor, are we just ready to crown him the undisputed 101 of drafts next year? And if not, who else is in that conversation? I think if you're drafting today for next year, I think he's I think he's the 101. I think it was a conversation with McCaffrey prior to the second injury. I think that's no longer um, in the mix, and so uh, I think probably. Although given all the injuries to big name running backs, I think the argument is still, you know, Devontae Adams, depending if him and Rogers are playing together, um, perhaps somebody safer, right? You know, like whether it's whether it's Kelsey or, or Devontae Adams. But yes, I think if you draft if you had a draft for next year today, Jonathan Taylor goes one on one. Has 2021 been the most surprising or unpredictable NFL slash fantasy season of all time? I feel like we have had some crazy, crazy upsets. And I don't know if it's because media has less access to practices that we're like a little bit less informed or just like COVID kind of introducing some randomness into things. But do you feel like this has been the most unpredictable season of all time? Yeah, I really do. And it's, it's not just all that. And it's also because it doesn't feel like I mean, the Cardinals have been rolling great, but it doesn't feel like there's a dominant team where you're like, well, we're all chasing those guys, right? Every single team, we're like, oh, Buffalo's great, and they can't beat Jacksonville. We're like, well, Tennessee, they're world beaters. They lose the Jets. I mean, like, you know what I mean? Like, so it's just, every, you know, Tampa Bay, what's good? Tampa Bay's repeating. They lose to my Washington football team. Like, Patrick Mahomes, since week seven, Patrick Mahomes is the 19th best quarterback in fantasy. Patrick Mahomes is the 19th best quarterback in fantasy on a points-per-game basis since week seven. Like, we're in week 13. So it's crazy. And then also just, by the way, all these, like, what I call fantasy zombies. Mark Ingram, Cordero Patterson, Devontae Freeman, like, all these guys, like, wait, I, I, we, we left you for dead. And now all of a sudden you're fantasy relevant. Like, there's just a lot of people from, you know, like, from, from five years ago that are suddenly becoming uh, fantasy relevant. So, yes, it, it, is, it is the weirdest year I can remember. All right. Finally, if you had one cardinal rule to tell someone just getting into fantasy this year, what would it be? Have fun. Look, it's, here's the thing. We, it, it, is a, uh, it is more fun to win. And so many people, so many of the analysts and websites that you read and be like, we're going to help you crush your draft and dominate your opponent. And you're going to play, you're going to do this and you're going to do that. And I'm like, I get it. But it's something we do for fun. And people like argue on message boards and they're yelling at each other. They're accusing. And I've seen families break up and, and friendships break up and, and, you know, issues at work. And it's just like, it's a hobby. It's a game. It's a game we play for fun. And it's a game we play for fun that we have no ultimate control over. And that it's a game that's played with an oblong shaped ball made of leather. Weird crap's going to happen. Weird, unpredictable crap's going to happen. So you just, you make the best guess you can. You say, I think this is going to happen. I think this is why it's going to happen. And you let the chips fall where they may. And hopefully they fall in your favor more often than they don't. But it's a game we play for fun. So that is, uh, if someone who's just getting into fantasy football, that would be my first piece of advice. Is just go in with the attitude of like, this is fun. You're going to go into this to have fun. 
That is super, super important to remember. There are people that were asking me, should I kick this person out of my league? Should I now speak to them because they're starting Taysom Hill at tight end last year or some things like that. Right. I'm just like, you're taking this way, way, way too seriously. So yeah, very, very important to have fun out there. All right, that'll do it for this round of 21 questions with our esteemed guest, Matthew Barry. Matthew, uh, my boss, Chad Milliman, also wanted me to tell you that he says hi. Uh, I can't thank you I'm enough for- bad. Chad and I worked together at ESPN for many years. Chad is the absolute best. Absolute great guy. Uh, I can't thank you enough for joining me during this insanely busy time. Please remind everyone where they can find you during this NFL season and beyond. Well, obviously ESPN, right? So we're doing the, uh, we do the fantasy focused podcast every single day, wherever you get podcasts, you can also stream it live on YouTube. You can read my column on ESPN.com every Thursday, my love hate column. We do Fantasy Bowl now every Sunday morning, 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN2, except this week, this week only, week 13, because of the college football playoff uh, announcement show and some other stuff, we are streaming. We are only streaming this week. We are on ESPN's YouTube page, the ESPN Twitter handle, ESPN.com, the ESPN app, the ESPN Fantasy app, basically any digital platform or social platform where ESPN has a presence, you're able to watch Fantasy Football now 10 a.m. till 1230 uh, this week and this week only. Fantasy show streaming uh, a couple times a week on ESPN Plus, and you can find me on social media where I am at Matthew Barry TMR on all forms of social media except the Fantasy Life app, which you mentioned, Samantha. I am merely at Matthew Barry on the Fantasy Life app, which is a it's an absolutely it's a great app. It's a free app. Uh, highly recommend uh, everyone check it out. There's a reason why we have five stars with thousands of reviews. It's a great uh, tool and resource, especially given. Um, it's free app. Download it. If you hate it, delete it. But uh, I promise you, you will love it. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks to everyone for listening. Please rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts. Download us wherever you like to listen. And we will see you next time on the Fantasy Flex presented by Prize Picks. Peace out, y'all. Peace out.